0: Hello and welcome to Stick Together, Australia's only national radio show dedicated to workplace and social justice issues. Stick Together is produced in the studios at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne. It's broadcast nationally via the Community Radio Network. My name's Annie McLaughlin. In today's program, we will take a look at the recent ACTU Congress. We've been listening to the sounds of the Jinder Warraback dancers who open ceremonies It was May the 26th and uh, very appropriate since it was National Sorry Day. Following our look at the ACTU Congress, we're going to report on the Fair Work Commission ruling on the setting of the minimum wage, which came out on June the 2nd. The ACTU conference ran in Melbourne for three days, starting on May the 26th. Around 1,000 delegates met at the Dockland Stadium in Melbourne. And I'll have to say, nobody could accuse them of being lazy. They would start at about 7.30am and uh, last till around 5.30 each day, ironing out up to 14 policies that underpin the ACTU's call to action leading into the next federal election.
1: Thank you. We are the Jindy Back Dance Group. In our language, the Wurrung language, the Wurundjeri-speaking language, that means joining Unite, coming together as one. Uh, that, that dance there was a part of the welcoming ceremony, and before we continue into our next performance, I'd like to acknowledge... All my elders, past and present, I'd like to acknowledge all you fellows that are here delegates, members of government, all high people, hierarchies, <laughs> little flash fellows. <laughs> yeah, but like to you know. Yeah, that was funny. Gee, <laughs> so, yeah, we're the Jimmy Back Dance Group, and before we continue into our next dance, we'd like to pay our respects to our elders, past and present, and all you fellows. This next dance we're going to be doing. Is wala wala yidin Goo. Swans paying our respects from sunrise to sunset. All the energy and the life sun creates.
0: Dave Oliver, ACTU secretary, gave a rousing speech outlining the general direction the ACTU intends to take over the next three years
2: unionists from all over Australia and all over the globe with us for the next three days. So whether you come from Cairns or Cape Town or Penrith or Perth or Darwin or Dalesford, I want to congratulate everyone on making the effort for being here for the 2015 Congress because this is a vital moment for our movement. There are significant challenges that are confronting us at the moment. We have a hostile government in Canberra that is hell-bent on trying to sideline us. We are now seeing growing inequality. In this country, the nine richest people have a fortune that equates to the bottom 20% of the country. Recent reports that have come out from the International Monetary Fund have shown that there is a direct relationship between growing inequality and declining union density. We've got the impact of exponential growth of digital technologies combined with globalization that is having significant displacement across industry. And now for the first time since the Second World War, the manufacturing industry is now employing below one million people. We also have to confront the changing nature of work. We have a new class of workers now, known as the liquid workforce, or workers who are on zero-hour contracts, or workers that are now having to bid for parcels of work on a digital cloud in an eBay-type reverse auction where the lowest bidder wins and obviously the worker loses. And the challenge for us and for governments today and into the future is how are you going to regulate this? We've also seen the emergence of what could be described as monolithic empires with the growth of Google, Microsoft, Apple, Instagram, where they are contributing to growing inequality. An example is I like to use, if you take Sony and Snapchat Sony is worth $18 billion. Sony has operations all around the globe. They have offices, they have factories, they have tens of thousands of employees working for them, and the wealth from that company trickles down and distributes among those communities. Whereas Snapchat, it's worth $19 billion, you could fit their entire operation, plant, equipment, machinery, technology, employees, all under this one roof. And instead of getting a trickle-down effect, we're now getting a trickle-up. And the wealth is not being distributed. More money at the top, less at the bottom. And that's a significant challenge for us. Now, it used to be that a Kodak moment captured a happy moment. Now, Kodak is a symbol of what happens when you fail to innovate. It's a little known fact that in 1974, Kodak, in their laboratories, developed the first digital camera or digital photography. And for whatever reason, the management decided not to act on it. They decided to stick with film when the world went digital. Now, I was there. I was there 10 years ago in the northern suburbs here in Melbourne, when Kodak shut their last remaining factory, shut their doors forever. I was there to watch those workers lose their jobs. I saw the impact it had. And they lost their jobs and they lost their livelihoods because the people that they trusted to run the enterprise had refused to innovate. Now I know that the Australian union movement will not have that Kodak moment because I know that we won't be stuck in the past while the rest of the world changes around us and that we will innovate because we know by building our movement we build power, by coming together, by uniting we build power and over the next two days we will be considering our plan for the Build a Better Future campaign. And I'll be asking the Congress to support the plan and in doing so support the resources that are needed to deliver it.
0: This is Stick Together Show, and we're listening to ACTU Secretary Dave Oliver on the opening day of the twenty fifteen ACTU Congress. It's worth noting that uh, the uh, Leadership of the ACTU was returned unopposed for another three years during this Congress. Dave Oliver.
2: Now, as I travel the country and I talk to workers, they tell me that they're worried. They tell me that they're worried about their jobs. They tell me they're worried about the future for their children. They tell me they're worried about wages and conditions. They tell me that they're worried about the attacks on their living standards. They're worried about growing inequality. And this is their words, not mine. They are worried about the Americanisation of our country, where going to the doctor depends on the depth of your pockets, or you have to mortgage your house to send your children to university, or owning your own home is not a dream but a fantasy. And delegates in this country We have a government that is fostering inequality. We have a government that has no plans for jobs. We have a government that is taking the wrecking ball to the social wage. And what we saw in the last two budgets that this government handed down, no one was left untouched. The vulnerable, the sick, the aged, the unemployment, students, pensioners and the public sector. And once again, this government is going after workers' rights. Now not a week goes by where we don't have someone from the business community or the Coalition wanting to bemoan the fact that the minimum wage in this country is too high. Not a week goes by where we don't have someone from the business community wanting to attack penalty rates. Now we had the spectacle over the Easter break of Kate Carnell from the Australian Chamber of Commerce and Industry that launched a campaign over Easter asking small businesses to put a sign on their door, apologising for having to close because they couldn't afford to pay the penalty rates. Well, we countered that. We produced our own sign with a little heart saying we love penalty rates and many businesses around the country put those signs up and we smashed Kate Carnell's campaign out of the park. And we saw it happen last time they were in office between 1996 and 2007. They took an ideological approach and disengaged with the union movement. And over that 11-year period, we had a decade of decline. Now, Jed spoke earlier about the Your Rights at Work campaign. And valuable lessons have been learnt from that campaign. The Coalition have learnt that they made a mistake. Their mistake was that they went after workers' wages and conditions first. And they underestimated the power of organised labour. They underestimated the power of us combining with the community to take up the fight which not only saw them lose office, but we took out their beloved Prime Minister, John Winston Howard, as well. And so they've learnt from that. So that is why now they are trying to sideline us, trying to take us out of the picture. That's why they've got a $60 million Royal Commission, which can only be described as a political witch hunt, designed to do two things, drain our resources and try and damage our reputation. That's why they've got a raft of legislation in place, designed to diminish the capacity of our movement to get out there to organise and to campaign. They've got a Productivity Commission inquiry into the IR laws. We know everything's up for grabs. Minimum wages, penalty rates, shift loadings, unfair dismissal, long service leave, job security, individual contracts. And it confirmed what we already knew. We said that the Productivity Commission was going to be a Trojan horse to deliver Work Choices Mark II. And looking at this, it'll be Work Choices Mark II on steroids. Now we've also learnt, Alison, from the Your Rights at Work campaign. We learnt that we made a significant mistake. We made a significant mistake that after the 2007 election, We dismantled all the campaigning infrastructure that we had built up over those many years. And we literally went from overnight, from being a campaigning movement to a transactional movement. And that is why the plan that we'll be putting forward to this Congress is not only about building our campaigning capacity, it's about keeping it. And I'll make you this promise, as long as I'm here, We will not make that mistake
1: again. I think we only got a couple more minutes up here. So we're going to do one last performance. And thank you very much for having us. Can you all remember the dance group's name? Jimmy Waraback. Can you all say Jimmy Waraback? It means Johnny night, come together as one. So it's good what we're doing here today, this morning. Too deadly. This one here is Bungala. Stance here is paying our respects to our creator spirit, Bunjal. He's the wedge-tailed eagle. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Bungala ga gira gira, Bungala ga
0: You are listening to Stick Together, the only national radio show focusing on union news and social justice issues. As an indicator of how the ACTU sees itself as part of an international workers' movement, one of the issues that was put forward for endorsement was the support of workers working and dying in the construction of the World Cup stadiums in Qatar for the 2018 FIFA World Cup. The Victorian branch of the CFMEU began the fight for recognition of the depravity of the working conditions. Here we hear CFMEU National Secretary Dave Noonan talking to the issue at the ACTU Congress.
3: First resolution, I call on Dave Noonan to move a motion with regards to workers in Qatar... And people might have seen the scandal that is surrounding FIFA
4: overnight. Uh,
3: Thanks, Jed and uh, comrades. I want to uh, speak today about um, the situation relating to the proposed 2022 World Cup in the nation of Qatar. Um, And I want to speak about it because I think it is a really, really important issue globally for workers. The FIFA World Cup is actually the biggest sporting event in the world. It's bigger than the Olympic Games. And uh, as I was leaving Congress yesterday, uh, I heard on the radio the news that 11 uh, officials of FIFA, the uh, governing body of world world football or soccer, have been arrested in connection with bribery and corruption. What a surprise (laughs) to all of us that FIFA would be involved with bribery and corruption. When the World Cup was, aw- was awarded to Qatar, there was uh, astonishment and outrage around the world. Qatar uh, doesn't have a big football culture. It doesn't have many stadiums. They have to build nine stadiums and an entire infrastructure in order uh, to have the World Cup there. Now, Qatar's a nation of about 1.8 million people, but only 300000 of them are actually Qatari citizens. The other 1.5 million people that live there are all expatriates and of that over a million are migrant workers. And the migrant workers work in in, in childcare and cleaning and hospitality and they work in the industry which I come from, construction. They work under a system called kafala, and it's a system of legalised slavery where workers are brought from their home countries, often in the Indian subcontinent, in the Philippines or in Africa. They're promised a particular wage, might be, uh, you know, six, US dollars a month, uh, which is a lot of money. They're brought to, the, uh, to Qatar. They have their passports taken off them. They're supposed to be assigned uh, a document by their employer without which they are an illegal migrant. The employers don't give them that document. They are taken to living camps which have appalling substandard conditions, and they have no right to form a trade union. Trade unions are illegal for everybody in Qatar, and frequently they're not paid for six, seven, eight, nine months. And they can't quit because you can't leave your employment without the permission of your employer. And you can't leave the country without the permission of your employer. And without the working permit that the employer is supposed to issue but routinely withholds, you're an illegal and could be arrested and thrown into a prison where you may never be seen again. And how do I know this? I know because I went there and saw it and met with workers. and. I went there with the ITUC and Sharon Burrow. Sharon said to me, you've got to come and see this. We went to a workers camp in Qatar on the edge of Doha with representatives of the Nepali Nepali trade union movement, Gafont. And amazingly, there's no security. We just walked straight into this place, 800 workers. The first thing I saw was people washing their clothes and their eating utensils over a gutter that was running with raw sewage. Workers cooking their own meals, they they, they get get on a bus at 4 o'clock in the morning to go to work, they get back late in the night, then they have to cook their own meal, a queue up to, you know, 100 metres long of workers, they've got to wash, they've got to wash their clothes. When we got in there, people came round and gathered, it was like a union meeting, it was a union meeting, and they told us their stories, predominantly workers from uh, Nepal, but also from India, from Bangladesh, from Pakistan, Sri Lanka, a few from Africa. I said, we've been told that some of you people don't get paid regularly. I met people there and laughed. They hadn't been paid, some of them, for six, seven, eight months at all. Not a penny. And they had to get up and go to work every day on construction sites which have got the worst rates of mortality of any construction sites in the world. It is estimated that building the World Cup facilities in Qatar will result in the death of 4,000 workers. The beautiful game built on the blood and sweat and tears of exploited migrant workers, of slavery. And that's what we have And that is why we, along with every other trade union confederation in the world, need to say loud and need to say clear. You should have a red card. You should have a bit of red paper. Has everyone got it? If you haven't, get one. Because you know in the world game, when a player commits a foul, they get a red card. And we say today, this is a red card for FIFA. So hold your red cards up. It's a red card for FIFA. And this corrupt organisation, which has got into bed with the crooks and the slave masters of the Qatari royal family, I say, I hope every one of them is hosed out in the corruption investigation, which is underway at the moment. But let's just say absolutely clearly, we demand trade union rights in Qatar, we demand workers rights in Qatar, we demand an end to the slavery system of Kafala and to those workers, when we left they were looking at us, they knew we were union officials, they knew what trade unions were and they were looking for a bit of hope and it is the job and and the responsibility and the obligation of every trade unionist across the globe to give these people hope. So I commend the resolution, comrades. Red card to FIFA! Red card to FIFA! Red card to FIFA! It's all a part of reconciliation, eh?
1: have got to come together as one to move forward.
0: The final story for Stick Together today is the Fair Work Commission's ruling on the minimum wage in Melbourne on June the 2nd. We're at the press conference and uh, the uh, people that we're listening to are again Dave Oliver from the ACTU and uh, a uh, worker who is a minimum wage recipient.
2: Uh, The Fair Pay Commission has just handed down their decision today to award an increase of sixteen million to the lowest paid workers in this country. The ACTU is extremely disappointed in this decision. Uh, this decision will now see the gap growing even further between average wage earners and minimum wage earners. Uh, the Commission noted in their decision that average wage earnings had increased by 2.8%, and yet they chose to award a minimum wage increase of 25 uh, and we are extremely concerned that every year that gap is getting wider and wider and we are heading down the path of the US where we could have an entrenched class of working poor in this nation. Now, this $16 will go... Um, not, it's not good enough in so far as to relieve the stress for low-income households. Uh, we know that costs such as health care has gone up 4%, education has gone up 5%, childcare has gone up 7% each year for the last 10 years, and yet the Commission has handed down a 2.5% wage increase. The only thing we're concerned about is that if the economy is travelling well and inflation is on the up, well, we're being told we have to exercise wage restraint Uh, Now the Commission notes that inflation is down, and yet again it's exercising wage restraint. Uh, We just can't win. So we are deeply disappointed in this decision. We are extremely concerned now about this ever-increasing gap between average wage earnings and the minimum wage. Uh, I have here with me uh, Jamal, who is a cleaner who works in a shopping centre. Jamal's on the minimum wage, and he'd like to say a few words.
4: Uh, actually, I slept around two hours because I was doing night shift to come to hear the commissioner' position, and I am disappointed. $15 per week, it doesn't cost a cup of coffee every day. The cup of coffee, it costs around $4. Times. And because of that, I am disappointed, really. What about the other thing in the life? I give you just one example. I started cleaning 16 years ago. The petrol price, it is 50 cents per liter. How much now? Average of dollar fifty. Who's going to cover this cost for me? My superannuation, after 16 years, it is around 60000 This is disappointing. Because I am low income, I get low superannuation. I'm not happy now. I'm going to be not happy in the future when I retire. And all my concern, not about me, about the generation to come from low income. We're looking for a better life for them. Thank you.
0: That's it for Stick Together Today. Don't forget that uh, this week is the Radiothon for 3CR and uh, stick together all the national programs coming out of 3CR. If you're interested in donating, go to 3cr.org.au and you can find the donate page. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks to Dave Oliver from the ACTU, Dave Noonan from the CFMU and the Ginder Worryback dancers for their contributions to the program today. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Studios in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. The podcast is available at 3cr.org.au and you can contact the producers of the show at stick.together at gmail.com or by calling 03 9419 8377. My name's Annie McLaughlin. Catch you next time.
1: I got a big
0: boom. I, I,
1: Thank you very much. We're the Jindy Warback Dance Group. Thank you very much for having us. (laughs) To (laughs) It's all a part of reconciliation, eh? We've got to come together as one to move forward.